Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? This is actually a bit of an honor for us here at Pocket Now because we have David Amell, who you might not have seen over at his former position at Android Authority for the last couple of weeks. He has moved on from there, and uh, he was gracious enough to still appear on our podcast. So, uh, yes, the, you could, as you could probably see in the show notes, David's information is a little bit different. He's actually going to be moving on to a new team over at Camp Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD. But I'll let him explain explain uh, what this move is for him and he gives a little bit of insight into you know what his future might look like before we get into the top stories of the week. Now one of the stories we do talk about is because David and I are big geeks and we love Japan. Uh, we talk a little bit about Super Nintendo World, a place that we definitely want to go to, especially once COVID is over and we're able to travel back to Japan. But our main story of the day has to do with game streaming. And one of the biggest stories of the week was that Google Stadia Studios has been shut down. Now that does not mean that Stadia itself is shutting down, it just means that first party development games are no longer a thing for Stadia. Does this mean that Stadia is going to go away eventually? Well, that's what we speculate on. In any case, let's get into it. Those are the topics that we talk about, myself and David Amell. Let's get into it. Enjoy. Looks yeah, I don't, decent. I don't want your video to go to waste, so I'm going to make sure to do something with it. Um, so. <laughs> I tested it in Zoom, and it looked so much worse than this. I think Zoom's video compression is just awful compared to this. Yeah. So are you using the um, build? Like, are you using Fuji's software? Yeah. Nice. It's just a USB-C cable into the computer, and that's literally it. And that's, then there's... That's one of the best yet worst developments during quarantine. Because COVID, yeah. <laughs> I bought a freaking, like, A10 uh, Mini. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, okay, so if you have one of those, you can, like... I could plug my microphone directly into my camera and then get audio pass through. Oh, sure. But Fuji's is actually, like, a hack. So the way that they do it is... Wait, are you an OBS? No. Oh, okay, good. Because that was one of the hacks for Panasonic and Olympus for a little bit was you had to to feed it through OBS. Yeah, so it's a similar situation. Like, Fuji's is a hack where it is literally, you have to have the camera in photo mode. So it is is literally just taking the live feed from the live preview of the photo mode and pushing that to your computer. (laughs) That is a little hacky, well, for sure. It's pretty. It's it's kind of like um, Snapchat on Android for the longest time. How it just took a screenshot of your screen and then uploaded it, and that's why that's why it looks so bad compared to iPhone. Mm-hmm. It's like the same situation. It's basically just taking a like a feed, but it, I mean, it still works. And there there is there is like a little floating software thing where you can like I can change the autofocus. Yeah, I was about to say you have like software there, huh? Yeah, there's a little software I could I could make myself uh, sepia, you know, or uh, Acros. <laughs> hold, on, hold on, go back. Um, hold on, I want to look up this. We're gonna have some fun with this show. Um, let me, <laughs> what is be- what is a good? Oh, okay. Go back to black and white. Oh no, no. Actually, uh, is this sepia? This is sepia. This is sepia. Okay, yeah. I'm going to give you solo. <laughs> <laughs> I want to find like a monologue, <laughs> like, a, like a two line. It's just like, <laughs> what's a famous two line from like a noir film or something? Oh, I don't know. I would be like, so there I was out there in the dirty streets of New York, <laughs> exactly <laughs> in, the, uh, in, the, in, in Williamsburg or where, wherever it is you are. In out in Williamsburg, I like the, I like the uh, I like the black and white for for that. Yeah, but you can use any of the Fujifilm simulations, which is cool. That's like, dope. 
I think I'm on natural right now. I, I can change mine, but I have to go to the camera. Let me move it over to standard. Oof. Oh, Vivid. That's Vivid's fine. I'm on Vivid. This is Vivid, and it's a little much. Yeah, Vivid's a li- Vivid's not too bad on, on Panasonic. Yeah. All right, there we go. All right, cool. Well, thank you for getting this whole thing set up. Um, and this is a good like feel out for you to like get familiar with podcasting and whatnot, because yeah. part of what we're going to talk about at the beginning of the show is listeners and I guess viewers, if you're on the Instagram or you're on the, I don't know, a part of me wants to create a pocket now TikTok and just run it <laughs> to just should. mess around. <laughs> you um, should. I kind of fun. Yeah, um, I kind of want to do that. Like I'm, I'm. I'm actually you could, call in, it, you could call it a tech talk instead of a TikTok. True. That's like on my <laughs> channel, it's T Talk. So it's two T- types. So T T O K and then T yeah. Talk. Tech um, Talk. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to do those I wanted to do those videos where like they look at the camera and they're like speaking to you through it, like, hey, have some tea with me. Like I wanted to, to oh, do yeah. those kinds. <laughs> like Korean dad. Have you seen your Korean dad? I don't think so. No. Okay, so it's this dude in San Francisco and he's um He's a little bit older. He's probably like late 30s, mid, uh, early 40s, probably at the most, mm. but he doesn't look like mm. it. He's Asian, mm. so he doesn't look like it. Um, so he actually comes up and he goes, hey, I'm your Korean dad. Like he's patting <laughs> your head. What? <laughs> yeah. And then he goes through these simulated situations of like, you go out to the store with him and he acts like a <laughs> Korean dad. And it seems campy at first, but it's then- like simulated life. In a way- um, That's it seems funny. campy at first, but it's very genuine and very heartfelt. And, mm-hmm. um, there are a bunch of people on TikTok who like their fathers passed away or they didn't have um, a father growing up. So they go to his account and I'm like, oh, that's cool. So for me, TikTok on, has those like POV things too. Exactly. So that's like perfect for that. So that's what I wanted to do on my TikTok is just like, Hey, have some tea with me, like take a break for a minute and drink some tea with me like it's, it's kind almost of like a meditation app like that's what those meditation apps do basically mm-hmm. they're just like envision that you're in this situation and you're so imagine if it out. was like pocket nows like i don't even know what i would do with it like <laughs> <laughs> there would obviously be like podcast uh marketing which is what i want to do the yeah. most on social media i have to do that yeah i have to do more of that uh but yeah thanks for getting this set up it's nice to see your set again and i feel like how long has it been two two and a half weeks uh it's been two almost two weeks one day oh ex- actually exactly two weeks yeah my okay. last day was two weeks ago oh, that's right it's friday um so mm-hmm. it's been two weeks since yep. people have seen this set of yours so i don't want to yeah. i don't yeah. want it to go to waste uh david why don't you are on the show now able to actually talk at length about what's going on in your life so why don't you go right. ahead and let everyone know okay i just want everyone to know that when josh asked me to be be on the podcast i didn't know that it was going to be the david amell's new job show (laughs) well it's not the focus but i wanted to add it in as uh, it's our check-in as uh as we say yeah true (laughs) okay um well for people that don't know yet because i only really announced this on twitter and i guess my instagram too um i'm no longer with android authority um my last day was two weeks ago as we just mentioned and I am going to work with Marquez Brownlee, mm-hmm. um, MKBHD. So that'll be really fun. Um, there's going to be, you know, I'm really excited to work with Brandon and Vin and Andrew. Um, Brandon and I are already like really close and I've already made videos together. People that have watched my videos have probably seen him in many of them because we often like go upstate and shoot my iPhone 12 mini video, my Pixel 5 video, um, many videos he's been in. Anyway, so now we're going to officially work together in an official capacity. Um, 
which is convenient because I moved to New York like a year ago and I would have had to relocate to come here. Um, yeah, so that's really exciting. So I start that in two weeks. Um, they wanted me to start on the 8th, but I was like, when is the next time I'm going to have a month off? So I asked for an extra two weeks. I'm half regretting it now because I'm already <laughs> getting anxious and antsy. Um, I think if I take advantage of the next two weeks and, and actually enjoy it, I will be glad that I took the, the whole month off. But the first two weeks of, of my time off, the first week was like all that Wall Street bets drama and I got really uh, engrossed in it. Did you do any of just, it? Yeah, a little bit just to see how it would go. Nice. Um, I actually like flipped Dogecoin. I, I put like 200 bucks in Dogecoin and then the next day it was three times the value so i just sold it so i just flipped it <laughs> so i turned 200 dollars into 600 dollars in like 12 hours sweet was that was um, that post uh or it was right after elon musk tweeted about it that's yeah. what i was gonna say yeah i was just like i don't know whatever uh, it's yeah it's funny that's so funny and so yeah i got engrossed in that for and that lasted like the whole week right so that like kind of consumed my week and i I have like a semi like addictive personality so once i get interested in something i just like can't get my eyes off of it um which was rough for the for that week, but luckily that's over. Um, this week I've been slightly more productive, but not really. My goal for the this time off was to like get a video out for my personal channel. Um, but then, the, but then you're yet. snowed in, right? Right. I could I barely could leave the house because it was snowing like crazy. I wanted to uh, rent a car and just like drive in a direction um, and see what happened, but. I basically couldn't. And it's also been like 12 degrees here. Um, it just got warmer. It's like 44 today. This is, is awesome. so funny. I'm the one with the beanie on and I'm in like 65 degree. Weather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to rent a car on Monday. And then I also have to figure out like, I need to lease a car or buy a car or something because I need to drive to Marcus's studio, um, which is in Kearney, New Jersey. Hmm. So it's a little, it's not that far actually. It's like 40 minutes from here driving which is weird it's, it's not that far it's just i haven't commuted since i worked at intel so yeah that's what that was one of my most like that was something i was really interested in was <laughs> i want i want to be in a car that you drive like i want to experience that because <laughs> i know you have my california driving time. my california driving style is much more like chill and relax well my northern california driving style Whenever, uh, when I was in college and my, my roommates would drive with me, they were from SoCal and they would get so mad at me because they're from like LA and San Diego. And they'd be like, why are you going so slow? You need to be passing people. And I'm just like, I don't, I, I'm not in a rush. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, yeah, whatever. But yeah, my official job title over there is technically, um, writer slash researcher. Mm -hmm. So, but it's so fluid like they're gonna have me on the pod on the waveform podcast pretty frequently um i'm gonna be helping shoot and edit and it's just gonna be everything obviously I'm, like people who do youtube do everything like exactly have eight jobs each i'm so. honestly really looking forward to hearing like your voice on something like waveform because yeah um i i, I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, cards on the table i don't listen to tech podcasts it's just not my I don't generally either. When Marquez called me, he was like, so you have, have you heard the waveform podcast? And I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to it at all. <laughs> like I listened to like the pilot episode, I think a while ago, but I just don't really listen to 
to tech podcasts. Like, I think the reason why is like because my... I think the reason why is because we're already in the news, so there's no reason for <laughs> yeah, us to like hear it again and again and again, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't I, know. Fisher listens to tech listens to tech podcasts all the time, but I agree. I mean, I'm sure there's perspective and like banter, like what we're doing right now. <clears throat> yeah, but I think I just use podcasts as like an escape from like the our job slash the tech world. You know, like a little bit. I listen to like Radio Lab and like narrative based um, informational podcasts. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm on comedy podcasts. I I listen to the Breakfast Club, um, and I'm trying to remember which show it was. But in the mid roll break, it was I was listening to the podcast. I was laughing along with with whatever I was listening to, doing my yeah. work. This was last week, so this was a little while back. But I, the the mid break happened, and all of a sudden, I hear, "Hey guys, this is Marquez Brownlee." We'd like to invite you to oh, listen to yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Someone like, else told me that, too. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, my God, it's Marquez. And my first thought was, Ooh. that's going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still his podcast, you know, but I, I am very excited to to definitely, like, appear as, like, a co-host. I love podcasting. Like, honestly, if I could podcast as my full-time job, I'd probably do that. Hey. I love it. Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited to, like, you know, help them make really cool videos. Um if people have seen his S21 review that Brandon kind of had a huge leg in working on the intro, like Brandon kind of made the whole intro. It's freaking amazing. And I just want to, I just want to absorb information from these people, you know, oh, like yeah. I, I definitely have that imposter syndrome where I'm just like, literally, why do you want me to work with you? <laughs> Cause I don't know what I can even bring to the table. Well, I think, but, I, th- I think if you're looking at the, if you're looking at the video side of the podcast, not that there is a video podcast, but if this video clip were on the internet, you're kind of proving it already. Like, look at the different styles between me and you. Like, the 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 video frame that you've created over there just for this audio podcast is, you know, you've, you've created a great <laughs> set there. And this is exactly the kind of set that we would want, that people like that would want to have in their videos. Meanwhile, me, like, I got to clean this up. I have weird stuff going on all over me. Yeah. And like, you're, you're very... Um, your art direction it fit, will fit right in there, which I right. think I think that's is... what someone told me, which I was very interested to hear. One of my friends is um, goes by GX Ace on YouTube. He's very very good, but he is friends with the person that did the art direction in the TV show Halt and Catch Fire. Which, mm-hmm. if you have not seen it, you should really watch it. It's um, it's about the computer revolution of like the eighties through the early nineties. Um, it's fictional, but it's amazing. Uh, but anyway, he's friends with like the art director there and just, he was talking to me about how much like set direction and art direction can like make videos really pop. And I started noticing that more after he told me about that. And I was like, oh, I actually kind of do do that. And I didn't really realize it. Yeah. Um, just with like tones. Right. So like, I don't know, this goes with, you literally have a color wheel behind you (laughs) and the color wheel goes with this. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's like, Well, I think you have that because like Issa was telling me at one point that when you look at the color wheel, there's complementary and like, what's the term? Compound. Yeah, compound. Um, So those are the different like... Tertiary, yeah. Yeah, those are the different ways of looking at color blocking and whatnot. Meanwhile, me, it's like, I like green and yellow. So like everything (laughs) is green If you look at, if you watch uh, Marquez's S21 review, actually, his A-roll in particular is like tritonal, which I thought was really cool. It's like purple and black and like brown i think he just used in the a-roll set that just all matched his t-shirt like it just it it matched everything it was i don't know it looks nice regardless um yeah i mean obviously i think 
everyone has imposter syndrome always. Uh, so that's going to happen anytime. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very excited to just absorb like skill and knowledge from these people because they're very talented oh for sure um uh and and to anybody yeah. that anybody that keeps score like david and i have been best friends since android authority so of course i would yeah. love to have him on and i'm i'm very honored to have you on so that you can share your story and you know like this is one of the only places that you've appeared on the internet since you left android authority. So <laughs> it yeah. is our honor to have you on the show so let's put it that way i've been on reddit and dota for the last uh two weeks <laughs> i need to i need to take a hiatus from dota I, you know i have to make a confession because like, my life i you and i talk about productivity stuff all the time and it's just like yeah. i haven't done anything this week like i just don't feel very motivated this week this is one of those weeks where i just didn't do much and when you were talking about how the last two weeks you've just been doing whatever i'm like you know how they have like sympathy pains i feel like i have like sympathy itis or like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, i'm not doing anything uh right now and, and not that you're rubbing off on me or anything but there's this weird like in the universe like even tk was saying i haven't done as much this week as i've wanted to and i'm like something's going around like <laughs> we're we're all not feeling it's the too... moon man it's the moon <laughs> it's retrograde yeah. Um, but in any case, we do have some some stories for this week. And right. there are a couple of things. Um, this is funny because I get to say what everyone wanted to say to me when I left Android Authority. <laughs> um, are you now on more Apple things? Like, are you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, yes. Um, we're going to be using Mac Pros at the studio and Marquez's Final Cut. So those are... Two things I really have to learn. Mm -hmm. um, I also like haven't owned my own laptop for years because I've been like just re I've been reviewing a lot of laptops, so I've kind of been jumping between review laptops. But I bought my first laptop recently, and it was well, not first ever, but you know, first in a while. And it's a MacBook Air M1. I haven't used Mac OS since the iBook G3 clamshell okay. that I had in two thousand and six. And so I am still getting used to it. I really like elements of it. Um, but like, you know, sometimes uh, Fisher, Michael Fisher, uh, uses the iPhone to record random segments of video because the stabilization is insanely good on iPhones. Um, the dynamic range is just ridiculous. Like, I, I basically convinced, well, me and Mark Linsongen convinced him to buy a Fuji cameras a couple years ago. He, so he has an X-T3 as well. But like the dynamic range that an iPhone can capture versus an X-T3 is actually like, it just looks better straight out of the gate with the iPhone. So anyway, sometimes I'm helping Michael on projects and we shoot some clips with the iPhone. And just being able to like get back to the apartment and you can airdrop like, 20 4K 60 FPS video clips in like three seconds. Yeah, it's like insane. What? Like, so I'm just I'm just starting to figure out like all the crazy stuff that Apple stuff can do. Um, and then the other thing is that while I was testing the iPhone 12 series, because I reviewed like I reviewed literally every single iPhone 12, <laughs> um, which was a mess. But uh, I also reviewed I also used the Apple Watch Series 6 with it because I wanted to like understand what locks people into this ecosystem um and chai lazaro and i uh started doing the competitions through the apple watch and we're now on our 
12th week of competing. <laughs> so this um, is Apple Health or is it Fitness Plus? Uh, it's, well, so we, we have, you get free, three free months of Fitness Plus. So I think we're running up on the end of it. But, okay. uh, but just Apple Health, you can compete. Mm-hmm. And then Fitness Plus is just a way to close your rings and burn calories and whatever. Gotcha. Um, and I have very mixed feelings on Fitness Plus, but I've, I've done like an hour of Fitness Plus every day since it came out basically so i thought about like doing a review of it because i've actually been using it to lose weight which is you know i don't know if a lot of people who did the review really stuck it through for three months but um (laughs) but yeah so so i i get now why people are locked into the apple watch like i love uh non like smart non-smart watches right like my probably my favorite smart watch is the fossil hybrid hr because it's just a watch and it has e-ink that will show you whatever basic stuff you want it to show you. So when I'm using that watch, I don't have any notifications on. I just, I literally just have a step counter uh, and the weather, I think. And that's all I really want out of a smartwatch, you know? Yep. Um, so, oh, and it could also do heart rate. So, but the Apple Watch I get because if you're trying to like stay healthy, especially during like this pandemic time when I'm trying to like hit specific like move goals and like calorie burn goals it is really useful for that and then the competition feature is really addicting like chai keeps beating me right she's beat me nine out of 11 (laughs) weeks i've only beat her two weeks and i'm trying to like i'm trying to like beat her now so it's actually like a motivating thing so anyway yeah to answer your question and then also i've been running the the i you know, I've been running an Android phone and an iPhone just because I like using both platforms. And actually, I like I like Android way better as as an as an OS. Mm-hmm. But the feature set, the ecosystem of Apple stuff is just like really hard to you know just from AirDrop to on my MacBook M1, the fact that I can text on my laptop to like that. Oh man, that is something that really got me was, um, so I remember getting the iPhone, uh, iPhone 11. No, what was it? Uh, The Apple pro maybe I had the 11 pro already because I reviewed Mm. it, but I got the Apple watch SE and my motivation in getting one was okay. The content sure. But also it would keep me informed about when my friends in iMessage actually message me because I don't oh. keep up with them whatsoever. Right. So I got that, and then the Apple Watch SE ended up being probably the best Apple product I've ever used. Um, so yes, I agree. Like, yeah. That's one of those like linchpin, that that's the thing yeah. that keeps you in. Um, yeah. But what was funny was that I got the M1 MacBook Pro, and I started mess, and then like iMessage just appeared and there were all of my messages and I could like, yeah. now I don't even touch my iPhone if I want to talk to my friends. I'm already on the laptop, so I just type yeah. to my friends on iMessage. And I'm just like, this is the level, you're right. The level of integration is pretty nuts, which is why the story that we have on our on our um, little notes here that I made in Notion um, is that the integration is moving to yet even another level because right now face ID, because iPhones don't use touch ID um, face ID is having trouble because we're all wearing masks or we should Mm -hmm. be. If you're not put a damn mask on. So, um, Mm -hmm. so we have the masks and because face ID doesn't work there, iOS 14.5 is adding in a feature where if it can detect you with a mask on, but also you have an Apple watch that is paired to it and is active, then it knows it's you. Which, yeah, wow, that kind of makes it's, sense to me. 
Yeah, I mean it's an it's been an Android feature forever, right? Yeah. Like, but it's just based it's, it's on funny. it's just based on Bluetooth, though, right? Like yeah. this one is probably. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It, I'm sure Apple will market it in such a way that it's like, it knows it's like you. Like more secure somehow, yeah. yeah. Like based on your average heart rate or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. These companies do crazy stuff. Like you saw that Google like uh, on the Pixel series, you can now put your finger against the camera and it can read your heart rate based on that. Well, you know what's funny? Back in 2010, there were already apps in the in the Play Store. Well, back then it was called the what was it called back then? It was it was just the Android Market. Android Market. Thank you. There were apps in the Android Market that were doing that already. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, yeah. And then, and then again, like and like this Apple Watch thing, like Android has had trusted devices for a very long time. And I actually remember when the Moto 360 came out, the technically the second smartwatch next to the LG G Watch R. I think that was what it was called. I don't know. GR. I don't I don't remember. But um the G Watch? Yeah, the first LG G Watch that was like a square and was really ugly and yeah, that the was just 360 a, was that better was than it LG in G every Watch, way. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh I remember I, I bought like I bought a Moto 360 as soon as it came out. I pre-ordered one. Uh and I remember the trusted devices thing was like the coolest thing. I was like, I don't have to unlock my phone. Like I can or I, I don't have to enter a pin or anything. Like as long as it's connected to Bluetooth. It makes so much sense, right? It's like as long as you are within range of your thing, probably no one else has your thing that shouldn't be accessing it. Ideally. Um, ideally. If you have like a significant <laughs> other that you don't trust and they're in your phone, then sure. <laughs> but if they're a significant other, you should probably trust them anyway and you should probably break <laughs> out. <laughs> so is anyway, true. That's, another, that's another problem. But yeah, no, I mean, I am very glad that the, I, when I saw this update was coming, I got really happy because one of the things I missed the most um, about like a Pixel 5 or I loved in the Pixel 4a, 4a 5G and 5 that they brought the fingerprint sensor back to mm -hmm. the back of the phone because that's just my favorite. Like I well, love it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, get, I get that design uh, dictates why iPhones don't have touch ID anymore. Like it's just not part of their design language anymore. Yeah. But if it's an important feature, just get it on there. Like just, yeah, just provide I it. Think I think they'll put the under display one either in the 13 or 14. I still don't get why they wouldn't put it in the power button like they did on the on the iPad. Like that's really that's one. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's one thing that I was like why didn't they just do so that? So when the when the 12 when they had the 12 event and then they showed the rend, like the the animation of it, the 5G window on the phones I thought was a fingerprint. It seemed sensor. like it, right? Yeah. And I tweeted, like, is that a fingerprint sensor? And then they were like, no, that's a millimeter wave window. And I was like, <laughs> cool. And much less interesting. And much less interesting and something that's even not as useful for most of us yeah. right now. Um, right. But yeah, I, I like this because the thing about trusted devices and what I called it here was smart unlock. I thought that was what it was called. But trusted devices is that it's only if the Bluetooth is active, but here it's a double check, which I think is good. Like, right. These are redundancies that I feel like we should have. That is, yeah, that is a redundancy. And I mean, it's always going to try for face ID first mm -hmm. and then, but it's, but it's nice, right? Because if I have a mask on and I do this, it'll kind of do this and then you have to do this and then it asks for your passcode. Yeah. You probably can't see that well. No, I did. <laughs> so every, every time I'm, you know, out of my apartment <laughs> and, and I want to unlock this, I have to unlock the phone, wait for Face ID to fail. And sometimes it takes longer to fail than other times. 
and then you have to swipe up and then you have to enter the code. Exactly. And like, it's like, a, it's like a four step process just to unlock your phone. And so like, it's actually very smart of Apple from a marketing perspective because it is another reason to buy an Apple. <laughs> I was just going to say that it's another, yeah. it's yet another shackle quite literally. It is yet another shackle. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's such a catch 22, right? Because like, this is why people say like, don't get into Apple's stuff in the first place because it is what the integration is amazing, but you're also giving like your entire technical life to one company. Mm-hmm. And if Apple just decides to up the price of iCloud storage by 500% one day, you have to go looking for another provider or you have to pony up the money. So it's like, I like to use as many platforms as I can. Like I still, I still use windows, obviously. Like I, I love and hate windows. It's like, it's a dumpster fire, but I like the UI better. Than Mac OS. Does does um, Dota work on? It, it can't work on the M1 yet, can it? Oh, it, it does. <laughs> and it runs oh, at 60 FPS on high. Wow, that's nuts. <laughs> Which is crazy because um, one of my f- close friends, Daniel, has a Intel MacBook Air, uh, the latest Intel one, and from like last year, and it um, it runs at like 12 FPS on low, hmm. but the MacBook M1 runs uh macbook air runs at 60 fps on high <laughs> who's the um, developer is it is it valve oh it's valve so they i guess the i guess they probably developed it kind of early for the m1 it's not made for m1 specific it's translated oh so it's but, going through rosetta yeah well um so dota dota can run on every every platform it can run natively on uh windows mac os and unix mm-hmm. So it's going through Rosetta, but only from, like, it's it still has a macOS build. Oh, okay. So usually, you know, if you're if you're going through Rosetta, it's like this app was built for Intel, but it was also built for Windows or something like that. You know, so like it has it's a macOS like build. And, there. Right, it's halfway there. Yeah, and I don't. I highly doubt Valve would spend the resources to can ever make a full like. You know, and it, it it also is like a little stuttery sometimes. Um, like it is sixty FPS on high, but sometimes it'll kind of like stutter. And I much prefer to play that on like my ZenBook Pro Duo. Uh, but the fact that you can play it at sixty FPS on high on a freaking MacBook Air is kind of amazing. That is pretty know? nuts. Um, yeah, we brought so, up we brought up the video games. I got to get to our next story. Where um, so David and I are kind of kindred spirits when it comes to one of our happy places in the world, and that would be Japan. <laughs> and I know that once lockdown slash quarantine slash pandemic is finally over, I know I'm going there, like, immediately. I'm going straight to Tokyo slash... I really want to go to Okinawa. Like, yeah. I, I really want to go to the other islands or the other yeah. areas of Japan. But during pandemic, somehow, uh, in Tokyo, there is now a version of a theme park literally made in the guise of Nintendo. Nintendo created a theme park. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because David and I are huge nerds for like video games and stuff like that. So this is right up our wheelhouse. Mm. Um, Super Nintendo World, which... It's amazing. Hitting it right on the head. so (laughs) cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I really want to go. And like they, they were supposed to open, I think a few months ago. But the day has been pushed back indefinitely because of COVID, mm. obviously. But just looking at some of the stuff now, to anybody that doesn't know, 
I'm sure there are probably like Harry Potter fans and our listeners or anything like that. So you all know about a Harry Potter, uh, the wizarding world of Harry Potter. I never did get into Harry Potter that heavy, um, but they're usually. I did, but when I was, it was when I was like 12 and I haven't really revisited that, that fandom in a while. So yeah, like, whereas you have um, <clears throat> Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland. Now you have Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Universal Studios Japan or Universal Studios, but also in Universal Studios Japan, you have Harry Potter and then west of, uh, where is it? West of that in Universal Studios Japan will be Super Nintendo World. Yeah. And uh, what's uh, the the CEO of Nintendo? Um, gosh, what's his name? Sak- Sakurai? Sakurai, yeah. Is he the, C- is he the CEO? I don't uh, remember. Not sure, actually. Yeah, and anyway, he, I mean, my he dad did like a, Nintendo, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sakura, I think he did a walk. He did like a walkthrough of Super Nintendo World on YouTube, like so you can see all the attractions and stuff, and it's crazy. The set design literally feels like you're in a Super Mario game. Like the the it feels like the graphics are just in reality, which is very weird. Um, but it's so it's very it's super cool. Just as like a thing to see so here's i I pulled up the wiki there's actually a wikipedia page for it already um so in this wikipedia page i'll just read a few highlights here guests enter the park through a warp pipe from the entrance plaza (laughs) that's freaking cool um the entrance plaza has lampposts a power star in the pavement and super nintendo world signage next to the pipe and that pipe also leads to princess peach's castle when guests exit the castle they enter into the into the two-level courtyard on the second floor immersed in the mushroom kingdom with bowser's castle across the area um apparently super nintendo world will also open up in universal orlando as part of the epic universe but that's in 2023 um and then there apparently there are plans to bring it to Universal Studios Singapore as well. I didn't even know there was a Universal Studios in Singapore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as attractions are concerned, there's a roller coaster, uh, a treasure hunt type attraction where you are supposed to retrieve keys to defeat Bowser Jr. Uh, so hmm. that that makes a lot of sense. Um, there's uh, for as far as dining is concerned, this is the one that I love: the One Up Factory. So <laughs> is it just all mushrooms? Like is it? <laughs> Is that like a play on Cheesecake Factory? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> Yoshi's Snack oh, Island. Like, I'm Yoshi's in- Snack Island, I love that. <laughs> I, as someone who has literally only owned, has owned every Nintendo console since the NES, uh, and the only other non-Nintendo console I've owned is a PlayStation 2, mm-hmm. I am very hyped for this. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, especially like the Zelda stuff. I, I was so into Zelda still am but oh i have to take something back it's not tokyo it's universal studios japan in osaka so that's oh. where it is so the, even cooler to uh to to two birds great yeah we'll be able yeah, to exactly. actually like go to a different part of japan and be able to go to super nintendo world mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll like well you'll you'll have a better time walking through the harry potter part but i'm gonna walk through like <laughs> like what's the i'm deal? excited for like the butterbeer and stuff because you can actually make that at home but it's i've had it before and it's so good really it's so good oh my god yeah i heard it's just it's like kind of, i heard it's like a sugar bomb though like it's just oh yeah i mean it, it's it's similar to um cream soda ah i do love if you've cream had soda. cream soda before oh so good. i do love cream soda yeah oh Although cream soda is like one of the worst sodas for you. Yeah. yeah. The sugar content's like 70 grams. It's ridiculous. I remember back in college going to like some markets and I would see Jones's cream soda. 
in particular. Yes. And it was always in those the bottles. Joneses brands are amazing. Yeah. They're so good. I would yeah. get that with like my banh mi sandwich and some man. Yes. Of, <laughs> of course I have diabetes. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially in LA, that'll, uh, they'll get you there. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. I can, I <laughs> should got more food there. I should only cook. That's really all it is. is I should never <laughs> eat out. Um, but yeah, I, but when, if, and when all we right. ever go to super Nintendo world, we have to be eating all this food oh, and he drops his iPhone. I'm trying to show you. Um, that's oh, will it autofocus? It can it can autofocus, right? I, I yeah, I have to use the software. There's there's two photos that I have to show you to show my love of Zelda. There's me. Yeah, we'll get even closer. Nice. All right, so th- there's me with my uh, Triforce belt, a custom three <laughs> D three uh, DS Triforce case that I crocheted. Hey, that you crocheted that? I did. Um, Actually, let me uh, let me let me give you a solo here so we can see it. There you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Ocarina of Time 3DS that I already had a 3DS, but I needed the Ocarina of Time one, so I sold my current one and bought that. And then my uh, my actual Ocarina of Time because I actually play Ocarina. Yeah, and we have seen I also that. made it. Uh, we have, and I made a custom Ocarina case, Ocarina of Time case as well. So. I, I'm pretty sure you posted a clip of yourself playing ocarina on social one time right i feel like it was either that or you put it in a video or something maybe you put it in a vlog but i remember you doing saria song uh lost woods yeah yeah i remember you Mm -hmm. doing lost woods now that's the thing this is all very good and like every every, this is all very well and good but it's all very mario based who knows if we're going to get expansions i think there is some zelda stuff though i think there's got to be i think he mentioned that there's Zelda stuff yeah future donkey kong expansion i see here Oh. Um, that would be pretty fun. Can you imagine like a Jungle Cruise, but it's uh, Donkey Kong World or something? That would be <laughs> super dope. Yeah, yeah, that'd be super cool. This is this is what we do now. Like I, I literally during quarantine, all I really do, well, not all I do, but one of the big things <laughs> I do now is watch travel videos because there are people who are still like traveling, and I just watch their travel. Yeah. So right. That's how that's how that's how thirsty I am for <laughs> adventure at this for point. a little bit of travel. Yeah. yeah. Uh but yeah, that just wanted I I would be remiss if I had David on and we didn't talk about Super Nintendo World. I mean, cuz it it, oh, it has to. everything we love in one place, literally. Japan, Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. Okay, one more photo. We'll go for it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Going right, back in here- time in the Facebook yeah, this is yes. Here is my home homemade Zelda costume, or sorry, Link costume that I made out of just stuff that I found at the thrift store. Like everything found at the thrift store. I even had a little Navi uh, attached to my. Oh, hat. I just noticed. Um, yeah, it was pretty dope. I was also Zelda one year, which was awesome, and I I have to say I was quite pretty. <laughs> you were fetching. yeah there are no photos of that sadly but yeah wait that would be that would be something to have now because uh the whole gender bending um cosplay thing like it's i'm sure it's been a thing for common yeah it's more common nowadays for sure um all right well from the uh geeky talk we do have actually you know it's funny we have more video game talk but it's it it might be a little sad we're not too sure yet but we're going to get into that after the break All right, back from the break. Um, kind of a long break, but of course, for the show, uh, no one will know. I love it. Like <laughs> you, you know that there's. We good- just talked for like an hour. <laughs> <in between. laughs> 
it's, I, a, it's a break. But it's that's another the thing. podcast. <laughs> I, I, I love mentioning it because yeah. that's how people would know that there's good chemistry between the host and the guest because when we go on break, we go on break. Like we, yeah. we ended up talking <laughs> about a, lunch a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's just the rapport that uh, David and I have. And we were just sort of like, just sort of talking about random stuff, but also reminiscing a little bit. And we go um, way back. <laughs> yeah, we go way, way back. Um, but also looking like forward five years. Also looking forward to more stuff because we were talking about like travel that we want to do and just trying to look forward to all of that. Yeah. Um, Japan, obviously, like that's why we talked about Super Nintendo World. Uh, but for our for our main story today, I don't know. The, one of the I feel like the biggest story to come out of the tech world this week was about Google Stadia. And game streaming is still one of those polarizing things because I feel like people understand what the benefit of game streaming is, but it never has, it, it still hasn't quite lived up to what that potential is. Yeah. So Google Stadia tried to be like the Halo, the Halo product for it, the first big thing for it. But here's the thing. This is just my opinion. Um, I know mm-hmm. that, I, I know that everyone has differing opinions on this. I think game streaming has been around for quite some time when you look at things like remote play. And yeah. if you own, especially now, if you own a PS5 or an Xbox series console and you're not using remote play, I think you're missing out. Mm-hmm. It's fun to, to lie down on this bed next to me and play PS5 games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is dope. Yeah, I mean, in a way, like... Uh, like steam has had it with the steam link since like 2015 or something like that too it's just it's it's different because it's like relying on your local area network versus relying on whatever servers google is using in iceland agreed (laughs) or greenland you know and you know what i tried to do remote play one time when i when we were i'm trying to remember where we were i think it was one of those trips that you and i took together i think you were in new york with me i think i remember you doing this yeah i wanted to play my ps4 in the hotel room because we had nothing else yeah. to do at the time. It wasn't that great. Like it wasn't because it was yeah. using my local area network. Like you said, um, game streaming is supposed and upload to upload speeds are generally way worse, um, on land than, uh, than download. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, i what I will tell people is if you own current consoles and you just are in your own house, we're all work from home right now, I think. Um, yeah, use your, use the power of your, of your, wi-fi in the house because it's a direct connection so just like have fun just play play yakuza in the kitchen like you know have fun with all that you know but stadia and geforce now and uh luna amazon luna Mm -hmm. yeah they are supposed to find a way and uh xbox uh game game pass game pass streaming that's a good point um yeah these are the streaming services that are supposed to like broaden that horizon I don't know what your experience has been with it. I personally think that it's been pretty good. Granted, I have a great internet connection, but that's one of the pitfalls yeah. is the average person might not have that kind of speed. Yeah. I check in with Stadia every couple of months um, and just to kind of see if it's improved. And I do have to give a shout out to 9to5Google because they are probably the best source of like Stadia update content if you're interested in like what games are coming out or like how it's improving over time. Like they are constantly on top of that beat, which is cool. Cause like no one else does that. Um, but yeah, I check in every couple months and it's definitely gotten like a little better. Uh, when I was first using it, it's my problem with Stadia is that when you start playing, 
it'll be like almost seem- seamless. But after like 10 minutes, you start to have problems, whether it's uh, latency or whether it's like it gets choppy or they, there's, there starts to be input lag. And that, that's what I've experienced like every time I've played it, right? Like I was playing Doom Eternal for a while and it was good for like 20 minutes. It was, it was basically like I was playing on a console. Um, but then all of a sudden, like the frame rate started to drop, uh, it started getting like glitchy and laggy. And then the controller, like the input delay would start getting bad. And that's just like, the problem is that internet is almost never like consistent. Like we've all had those problems where all of a sudden your internet just cuts out for no reason. And you have to call Comcast or whoever your provider is and just be like, why is Either like, why is this going at half the speed that I pay for? Or like, why is it not working at all? Mm. Like, that is the problem is that there's that bottleneck. Um, When I first reviewed Stadia, like, it definitely feels like the future because you can use it on, like, I played on my my Chromebook and that's crazy. I was playing like, um, what was I playing? I mean, you could play Cyberpunk on your, on your phone or your Chromebook now, right? Like, that's, that's wild. But it's just that bottleneck of the internet that is that is kind of an issue. And like Google foresaw themselves eventually getting over that bottleneck with things like AI. There's kind of a meme um, in the tech community of this term of uh, negative latency that Google said on stage during when they originally introduced Stadia. They said, eventually, we foresee this having negative latency. And everyone's like, what is negative latency? And basically, we'll see into it was... The future. <laughs> well, basically, because their concept was once we get enough data and train and AI to how people are generally playing and like what movements people make, the game will be able to predict what inputs that you're going to make at what time. And so it'll oh, like input those inputs this. like before you do, but it has a fallback. And so like <laughs> that's the that reason point, it's, at it, that point the ai could just play the game and you could just watch it it's that's like, true yeah wow i, I do uh, remember that i forgot about that uh you you yeah. you walking through that jogged my memory it that's was basically, a meme for a little bit yeah. that's basically what makes fighting games so hard is predictive ai in in, in fighting games but yeah, that's really odd. But maybe that is supposed to be one of the features that was going to make Stadia produced games, Stadia Studios. Yeah. Maybe that's something that they were supposed to help develop. I mean, there were a lot of flagship features. Like it was that, it was oh sorry, you were trying to do a segue there. I just <laughs> I, I just noticed. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um but uh, that but that's our story, yeah. is that Stadia Studios, the first party studio that Google made for Stadia, apparently has been shut down. So yeah. first party games on Stadia is not going to be a thing anymore. And now it's going to be all about the Verge wrote an article about how quote unquote the writings on the wall. And I get where they're coming from. I think most people are, a lot of people on Reddit, let's say, there was a Reddit thread that was saying this is the beginning of the end. You know, Google never commits to their own platforms. They never put enough backing to it. And they also never give it enough time. They just never do. They just think, oh, it's not making enough money. That's that's then, okay, it's going away. Um, You could argue that for like Allo and for now Google Hangouts is about to go away pretty soon. Not that those were money makers, but I'm just saying they don't commit. Um, But the thing is, The Verge made a point of saying, maybe this is not the beginning of the end for Stadia, but what makes it very clear 
what Stadia is meant to be now is a moneymaker for Google because when they made the statement saying that Stadia Studios is shutting down, they were going to focus on their partners. They're not going to focus on the customers. They're not going to focus on the gamers. They just want partners now. And it's... It's the YouTube effect, right? Like they ha- they get money from partners and ad from companies. other people making the content, so they don't have to spend any money on it. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, so that's it's... where I that's where I land on it. I agree with that assessment. Um, mm. I would be happy if Stadia sticks around, and it is just a partnership with other like developers and publishers and stuff like that. I get that, but it goes to show that Google never quite thought making games themselves was lucrative. I think that's a huge misstep. The problem is that, okay, so if you look at Microsoft, right? Microsoft acquires studios like Candy and Bethesda. It makes, yeah, they, they acquired Bethesda recently. That's huge, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, one, one of the biggest like advantages that Sony has always had with the PlayStation is the exclusive titles. Um, you could you could name so many. There's uh, God, like um, Ratchet and Clank was exclusive for a while, I think. Ratchet and Clank, uh, um, Horizon. What's that really? Horizon Zero Dawn, but now it's on PC. Now it's on PC, yeah. but it took forever to get onto PC, like a year and a half or two years. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? Uh, the post-apocalyptic game that everybody loves? Oh, The Last of Us. The Last of Us. Well, that's Naughty Dog. So Naughty Dog would create. Yeah, but Naughty Dog those. is mm-hmm. yeah. Um, um, God of War Uncharted. is Uncharted. Like, there's so much IP. Mm-hmm. There's so much IP. And I think Microsoft started to realize that because... Oh, uh, God of War. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> Did you say God of War? I said God of War. Oh, my bad. I think you were thinking and you just... Yeah, my brain, got, my brain got stuck on Uncharted. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so every time Microsoft releases a console, um, they don't really have a lot of exclusive IP. It's like, Halo and Gears of War are like the two things that they lean on over and over again. And what have they, they've end, ended the Gears of War series like three times now, but <laughs> they're just like, we need to keep something exclusive going. And, and so, yeah, they, they, I think they're realizing like Microsoft started realizing like the reason by people buy a platform is not for the platform. It's for the content because content is king. It's the same with YouTube, right? Like, if there weren't creators on YouTube, like, there would be no YouTube. Like, it's a platform that exists, but you need people to make unique content. And so the games are, are what is really important. That's how, you get, that's how you get users. So Stadia is kind of running, and, and Microsoft is making the right decision. They're acquiring studios like crazy, and they're also getting people to put games on xCloud like crazy. Um, but I think it's very smart of them to acquire studios. Obviously, it's bad for everybody when they acquire Bethesda because you can kind of assume that like then whatever next Skyrim game, the next uh, Elder Scrolls game might not might not be on PlayStation Five. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, it'd be so, on PC because Microsoft, and then also Xbox. Yeah, um, I have a thought while I'm fin- while while I'm giving that thought. Uh, I think your mic fell yeah. again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. How much did we miss? Oh no, 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 it's fine. Like the audio will be a little a little muffled comparatively, but we can still hear you. This dang shipping tape doesn't work as well as uh, it's not as great on fabric. I'm pro- clearly I'm a professional podcaster. Uh okay. Let's just I'll I'll do that. That's probably I need better. to I need I I probably do I'll need try to, to I probably to do need to change my rig here just because it'll it'll look a little I need to make it look a little different than this. 
this is yeah. a little this is a little too utilitarian um <laughs> but anyway yeah i think you're right that the it is content is king and if stadia is going to live and die on other developers and publishers content then what's to stop people from moving away from stadia when there are at least a few other ways yeah. you can play any one game this was right. exactly the problem so i'm gonna go ahead and just sort of like i do have and i still need to do the video on it but there you go i do have this still and i'm going to uh return mm -hmm. it very soon but the reason why i still have it is because the one part of this video i want to do is me playing cyberpunk on the cyberpunk oh, phone oh yeah that'd be sick and yeah. that's and, and a couple of people have done it already but it's just i want to do it too right so um it would be via geforce now and i like geforce now because if you already own the game on steam then it's just going to have you open up steam on their virtual computer and then play it yeah. off that computer yeah. So I was talking to our other friend of the podcast, Nick Gray of Fandroid, and he was like, play it on Stadia. It's so great on Stadia. And I'm like, I agree with you. It's, it probably is great on Stadia, but I'm not going to pay 60 bucks just to play it on Stadia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when so I that, already that own is, it. That's the trade-off, yeah. And I, God, it, it's, it's a weird concept because everyone thought it was the Netflix for games when it was first announced. Um, that's what Game Pass is. Yes. And I think that makes more sense uh, because... Like, obviously, Stadia has its benefits, right? If you want to be able to play a game anywhere, as long as you have good internet at high settings, then Stadia is awesome. But you have to buy it at full price, and that also means that you can only play it on Stadia. Mm -hmm. And what if, like, you have a gaming computer at home that you would prefer to play locally on because you won't have any of the Stadia problems? Game Pass is where that really excels, because I believe on Game Pass you can play locally or you can play in the cloud. Yes, so I will, though, is, there is one distinction that I learned recently. Your save games from Xbox don't go over to PC and vice versa. It has to be the lame. same type of thing. That's, so that's if tough. it's streaming PC to PC, cool. Save games okay. sync. But yeah. Maybe so, they'll change that in the future. Maybe. But yeah, I just it's a weird, it's a weird value proposition that is a very specific niche audience based around people who like travel a lot and like don't have a gaming computer but then why are they playing triple a flagship games if they were never invested in gaming before and like they and it's live like, in estonia where the fastest internet in the world is <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but but so i know a lot of people at google uh full disclosure my sister and her fiance work at google oh i didn't people, know people <laughs> yeah <laughs> um their company got acquired by google a couple years ago gotcha. so um but anyway i've heard from many employees at google the best way to get a promotion is to launch a product. Uh, what, and it doesn't have to be a physical product. It can be a, a software application or whatever. This is the reason why so many projects blow up and then they just die. Because you launch, like Allo, for example, right? You launch Allo and launching a, like launching a product at Google shows that you can successfully... Did my mic fall again? <laughs> Did it? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, no, it's here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> sorry. You sounded fine. <laughs> Launching a product at Google shows that you can successfully like make something from start to finish that people can use and blah, blah, blah. And so, but then you're, you're probably aspiring to do something much more interesting because Google is such a multifaceted company that has so many moonshot things. You probably like just want to get pulled over to a different team. So as soon as you launch a product, a lot of the times the project managers will get pulled out, they'll get reassigned to a different team because some other team lead was like, 
wow, cool, they launched a product. I'm going to give them a different job. And then nobody is left really running that product, and then it kind of dies. And it, multiple team managers get put into it. This is why Hangouts went from like only in like Gchat to Hangouts to we also do SMS to we no longer do SMS to we also do SMS to no, we don't to now it's a business application with Google Meet and Google like it's just it's ridiculous right it's totally ridiculous that seems so fundamentally flawed it's it's a combination of both it's decentralized which yeah. makes it really good for innovation because it means anyone with an idea can kind of like run with the idea but that's the where problem the problem is, of commitment comes in that's the problem that's weird that is a weird structure that's it's hmm. both wonderful and terrible at the same time because a lot of the crazy innovative shit that google has done I don't know if I can curse on this podcast, but a lot of the crazy innovative stuff that Google has done would never have been able to exist if every employee was just forever locked into, this is your job, this is all you do. Wow. But nobody ever sustains projects at Google. Yeah. And that's why everything dies. So I mean, maybe related that's, to, yeah, maybe that's what's going on with Stadia, kind of, sort of. I think well, what happened with the Stadia Studios is that Google only founded that studio like less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. And ma- making a triple A flagship game takes like four years. And then pandemic so, happened. Yeah. So it, it feels like they, they didn't give it enough time and resources. But what probably happened was they founded the studio. They've been trying to grow studio really aggressively, but they just haven't seen the user retention that they wanted by now. And I'm assuming they have metrics and goalposts that they want to hit by certain time periods. And as soon as some money person was like, this isn't making any money. We need to get rid of the studio. But you didn't give these these talented people enough time to make a AAA game. Yeah, like, you never on. even made a thing like, to sell. Exactly. <laughs> There's no exactly. You, you're literally you're literally looking for demand without supply. It's short minded. It, it's short minded um, ideology, but that usually exists with exists with like financial people. I will um, say like. Anyway, that do you think do you think that Stadia this is this is sort of like a beginning of the end type thing for Stadia? Like, will it two years? Let's say two two years from now, will Stadia still be around? I think it really depends on the running costs of the platform and what growth is like in the next two years. Um, in the last like three months, we've seen Google really try to uh, grow it. I think that they. So everyone that had YouTube Premium got a free Stadia controller in Chromecast Ultra. So that was huge. Everyone that had Google Fi, I believe, got exactly got a free Google Stadia controller in Chromecast Ultra. Um, and I will then, say the controller is actually really good. The controller is really good. Yeah. The controller is really good. I, I it's one of my favorite controllers, and it works uh, for Steam. So you can use it on but uh, you gotta, PC. But you got to plug it in. Yeah, you have to plug it in. Yeah, but it's, it's too bad that you can't like Bluetooth it. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, they might add that eventually, but the Bluetooth, the Bluetooth is only for getting the Wi-Fi information, so then it can talk to the Wi-Fi. So yeah. I think that's probably why. But I agree. I, I, I've been using it. The Cyberpunk on a controller is a very different experience. It's probably better. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have, I don't have an opinion on it yet. I've just recently been trying it because I, okay. I took out the controller and I put it in USB-wise, and I've been playing it that way. And I'm like, you know what? There's something more comforting about a controller. Like You could just sit back and play. Um, yeah, but I don't. I know. think most games are more fun with a controller, even if it's 
even if you're not as good at the game with them. <laughs> if that's that a, makes any that's sense. That's one of those things. Like I have to remember, I'm no, I'm no competitor. Like I need to know. Yeah. I need to remember. I'm not trying to be like the best at this game. I'm just right. trying to enjoy it. I just think swiveling your finger around a joystick is more enjoyable than pressing WASD to <laughs> to kind of like pivot. You know, it's just not as Mean, even though. Meanwhile, we probably I've been a have PC person forever, and and you know, obviously. This, First person shooter games, you're going to be way better if you're exactly on PC. I, that was what I was going to say because a mouse is the most precise targeting, you know. We probably have a few Warzone players screaming at their radios right now. Like, <laughs> it's like, no, I need well, yeah, no, mouse I, agree. Only. I agree. For like a first person shooter or something, I, I'd have to use like keyboard and mouse, but if you're playing like a single player game, like just just enjoy the game that's it's mean. enjoyable yeah, yeah it's just different yeah well yeah. I, I i hope I, I do hope that stadia sticks around personally because I, I i am a believer in the act of streaming um like i said before it's because remote play has opened my eyes um i love the idea that i can be on my in my case because the, the this particular controller which <laughs> i'm weeks i'm weeks late on doing a video on it not that mm -hmm. i had to it's just i wanted to um this the backbone this is a fantastic mm. iPhone 12 or iPhone, iPhone controller. And with the iPhone 12 Pro Max, that has actually become my streaming. Yeah, like, that's actually, it's basically a Nintendo Switch. Yeah. And I use it with Xbox Remote Play, PS4 Remote Play, Steam Link. I use it for all of those things. And I just lie in bed and play my games. Like on, during this week of me not being really productive at all, that's literally all I've been doing. And I think about it and I go, this is cool. I like mm -hmm. that this can happen. So mm -hmm. I hope Stadia sticks around. Is their business mo does their business model make sense to me? Not really, but yeah, it's <laughs> insanely niche. Um, I don't know. I I also think they were a little bit too early. If uh, if that makes sense, like streaming will eventually, I believe, take over. And there's a reason Sony released a discless and a disked PlayStation Five. Oh yeah, be because they're tr they're clearly transitioning into a world where we download everything. You know, there's a reason all these hedge funds were shorting GameStop. It's because, <laughs> it's because like, personally, like I, on my Nintendo Switch, I only have one physical cartridge. All the so, other games that I have are digital downloads because in my eyes, if it's tied to my account, I don't care. And actually, in my opinion, that's better because if I lose my Switch, I don't lose all my games. Mm -hmm. If it's tied to my account, I can just re-download it if I get a new Switch. So yeah. that's actually better. Um, but a lot of people still are kind of holding on to physical media and stuff, which which makes sense. Obviously, you know, it has its place, and um, it does. Like and it. let me tell you, like the this is this is a bit of a tangent, but since you brought up physical versus digital media, I have yeah, to say, yeah. last weekend my internet went out pretty much all weekend like i couldn't do anything right. all weekend so it, it, yeah. I, that might have been the catalyst of me being like oh i'm taking a weekend off because i literally have no internet and then it just bled into the rest of the week anyway yeah. because we had no internet when my brother when my brother and my sister-in-law came to the house and we were all hanging out mm. um we were just spending the whole weekend just sort of chilling out we all wanted to watch something together so we we dove into our old into collection DVD collection hell yeah dude <laughs> We got into our DVD yeah. and Blu-ray collections. And let me let me say, it wasn't until quarantine that I got a 4K TV. I, I reviewed a mm. 4K TV for Pocket Now. I'm very blessed to have it, and I'm very happy that I have it. Like it's it's definitely one of the best developments from 2020 for me. Mm. 
We put Interstellar, the Blu-ray, into my oh, PS4, com- yeah. complete with the IMAX scenes. It was the best looking thing <laughs> I had ever yeah. seen. Yeah. And I thought to myself, if Interstellar is on Amazon Prime Video or Netflix or whatever the case may be, this wouldn't happen. No, the quality wouldn't be as good because there's compression. Exactly. So yeah, the, the idea of Blu-ray was that it was like uncompressed. Exactly. And I ooh, just I, I agree with you. Digital is the way to go, especially for games. But wow, that looks so it, good. It's, <laughs> it's it's it ties into like the same conversation we were having earlier about Apple and the convenience versus reliance. Mm hmm trade-off that you have to make right like with google photos for example i started uploading photos to google photos in 2012 which is awesome because i have photos of me when i was pre-pubescent which i guess is not great but i mean like it's cool to be it like the convenience of being able to be like me in japan in 2015 in december 2015 and google can just be like here you go like the convenience of that versus me having like pictures on an SD card somewhere that I have no idea where it is or having to search through my uh, hard drive or even if we go back even further looking for a photo book. Um, in, insane. But we saw this problem recently when Google announced that it was going to start charging for Google Photos in 2022 or something uh, or 2023. Like a couple months ago, they announced that it was going to be a, a paid platform. Yeah, no more. Um, um, what was I going to say? No more. Um, no more unlimited. No more free data. uploads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that and that this is a classic paradigm of like never make something free and then start charging for it because that's how you get people mad at you. <laughs> but that is pretty much most companies' plays because in order to build a user base, you have to distribute things for free. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Google is doing by giving out Stadia controllers like they're free candy. They're trying to get people on the platform so that they can show user growth so that they can actually get funding to make these things. But like, it, it's, it's the whole thing. It's, it's, it's great to have the... Um, it's really nice that I can just go on my Google Photos and search whatever photo... Any photo that I've taken in the last nine years, every single photo... If it's a photo of dinner that I had two years ago in Spain and I took it on my phone, it will be in my Google Photos library. Like, that's incredible. That's the closest thing that we have so far to being able to just, like, record your memory, which is something I've always wanted to be able to do. And it's probably that and Gmail are probably the greatest examples (laughs) of... Just giant databases of everything that's happened in your life. But it's also (laughs) the realization of what the whole premise behind these platforms are. So Gmail being the best mail service of all time and Google Photos being able to store your memories and to have something, a database of all that stuff. That is yeah. what happens, Google, when you commit to your platforms. <laughs> yeah. So yep. that's what I mean, we have to figure out. But even Gmail is now part of uh, Google One or your Google One storage. True. You know, like everyone, everything's becoming part of it. And like, that's how you become the enemy in the eyes of your users is that you have something free for a very long time until they're locked in and then you start charging. Yeah. Apple was very smart in that they always charged for iCloud storage, but it was only a dollar. So I think, because it's like you get five free gigabytes, I think. And if you pay a dollar a month, you get like, 100 or 
or 20. I don't know. I just get, I just it's keep really affordable. I just keep getting that notification and I keep, yeah. Then your iCloud are just all same. I do the same thing. I don't pay for it away from me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't pay for it either, but no, recently I realized like, uh, Google drive has been giving me the notification like, Hey, um, when this change takes effects for Google photos, like you won't be able to store anything in Google drive anymore. You have mm-hmm. to upgrade your plan. So now I'm kind of freaking out and I'm like, well, at Android Authority, we had the unlimited plan, and I used that to store a lot of stuff. And so I had to download all of it. Um, luckily, there's a thing called Google Takeout, which allows you to download all of your data from any Google service. Mm-hmm. Um, so I downloaded all the things I needed from Google Drive, and then I downloaded my entire Gmail and everything just locally so that I have email addresses and stuff. But I need to find a new cloud storage backup solution, um, and nothing is free anymore. Like uh, one OneDrive used to be free, and so people used to use OneDrive, or it used to be unlimited, and uh, p- people used to use OneDrive for everything, and now that's not free anymore. So it's like, you yeah, know, everyone's the villain in this case, but nothing can be free forever. I I don't know. I I just yeah. I mean, we'll have to see where all those services end up going. I mean, this is the, the, honestly, twenty twenty has probably changed how people feel about where their services would lie in the future. Because there, there's so much, there's so much cost that had to go into just sustaining yeah. all of these things in 2020. Um, well, that is like a long-term thing people need to think about. Is like I think a lot of people don't think about where their data is stored, and true. the the day that these companies either shut down randomly or start charging a lot of money and you can't afford it, you're kind of screwed, right? Like that's the whole reason that people say like don't get completely into one ecosystem. Like, don't go whole hog. Um, yeah, I see that. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, um, I think that pretty much does it. We got through all of our all of our stories and then some, I feel like. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, David, uh, I know that this, this... Oh, this could be the first time that I list you in the show notes without Android Authority on the, on the bill. Um, but, yeah. Like, David, let everyone know where they can find you and where they will be able to find you in the future. Sure. Um... Twitter is my most active social platform. Go over there. It's Dervid Amel. Um, I've listed the reason for that handle many times. Like, so I don't need to repeat it again. Um, <laughs> I'm David Amel on Instagram, where I upload one photo every year. Um, and <laughs> DavidAmel.com is my personal website that I that have just updated. Hit me. It took me. A, it took me a second, but it hit me what that. <laughs> <laughs> I do upload. I do update my stories every now and then. That was though, funny. So if you wanna, you wanna see. And I would like more Instagram followers, so follow me on Instagram. Um, yeah, otherwise, I've got davidamel.com, which is my personal website where I try to keep up to date, but I need to take some time to update it. And you will later be able to catch me on the Waveform podcast and um, MKBHD videos in the background. You can play I Spy and see if you can see me. <laughs> so, yeah. And also, um, hoping that in 2021, I start kind of kicking up my personal YouTube channel. You can pre-subscribe if you want at youtube.com slash davidml because I have the handle because I have like 350 subscribers and no videos. So there we go. There we go. All right. <laughs> kick it. Thank you so much again, David. We'll have you on for uh, we'll, we'll hopefully be able to have you on more often. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll figure we'll figure all of that stuff out. But David, congratulations on everything. And we look forward to seeing whatever you have coming up in the future. Thank you. The last uh, the last fucking up podcast we did, it was like the day before I announced this on Twitter. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's true. I was like, yeah, it was the it was the day that the S21 Ultra reviews came out. Yeah, so. yeah. 
Um, Alright, cool. Well, with all that said, we're going to go ahead and get into the outro where you can find the rest of the links for myself and Pocket Now, and that is starting now. All of the links for David and Mel are found in the show notes. If you want to follow me across the interwebs, I am found on all social media platforms, including TikTok at JVTechT. You know me, I'm JV. I love tech and I love to drink me some tea. From there, you can also find my content on YouTube at youtube.com slash Joshua Vergara. Now for Pocket Now, you can always head over to pocketnow.com for the latest headlines and news while also going to all social media platforms uh, at Pocket Now. And then you can head over to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Pocket Now for videos that are coming up basically every single day. With all of that said, we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for kicking it with us, and we will see you in our next episode.